Hi everyone. Welcome to our first live episode of Demandism. Um, I'm Alistair Corsi, first of all, CMO at Cognizant, and I'm really excited to host this alongside Liam, who's our Global Head of Demand Gen, and Fran, who heads up our Mid-Market Plus, uh, well, Mid-Market Enterprise um, segment on the Demand Generation side as well. Just a quick intro into what we're kind of trying to do with these sessions. So um, if you followed Cognizant or if you followed any of us on LinkedIn, you'll see us talking a lot about um, our journey from a sort of traditional lead generation model into a demand generation model and the huge impact that's had for us and on the business as well. Um, and we want to just really deep dive that, like what does that, has that involved? What are the lessons that we've learned? How do you actually go about implementing that in your business? We've made mistakes along the way. Hopefully we can help you not make those mistakes as well. Um, and just generally make it like a really tactical, interactive session for us to, yeah, answer your questions, but also hopefully provide value in terms of our real world experience and case study. Um, I'll hand over to Liam and Fran to just give them a quick intro into themselves and kind of their role in this whole journey as well. Um, so yeah, I'm Liam. I head up the demand gen uh, team here. So um, I suppose my role in like the journey and how it kicked off is we we actually like approached it, I suppose, um, segment by segment at the beginning and, and how we rolled it out. Um, so I we went ahead with our UK uh, small medium business, like SMB segment first. Um, and so we went through a period of where before we'd been really following the lead gen playbook. Um, and then we went into fully trying to move it to demand gen. So it was really going from like, uh, like everything to like a complete switch. Um, so that's something we did last year and like probably started around April, did like the full switch over in September. Um, so I was completely learning as I went along um, and uh, started there. And then we sort of moved on to to everything else and, and putting it across the uh, Cognizant's like uh, spectrum of segments. So that's sort of an introduction from me. Cool. Um, I'll take it from here. Um, so, yeah, I'm Fran. Um, so as Alice said, I head up the mid-market enterprise offering. Um, well, head up marketing for that. So we've been doing this for about six, seven months now. So started um, in July. And the, you know, the, the problems that we faced were pretty much, um, you know, what everyone faces when entering a new business segment. The main one being, how do we get leads to sales as quickly as possible? How do we build pipeline? Um, how long is it going to take to close the deal? Which um, were the questions that senior leadership were asking. I think we've learned a lot of things along the way, especially as like Liam talks about, and we've been talking about a lot on LinkedIn about this shift from lead gen and MQLs to like this demand gen. And I think you know, Liam, from an SMB perspective, like we we have done that quite comfortably because we could generate these leads with our eyes closed, basically. And we got to a point where we were like, how can we move on? How can we generate leads that like have intent behind them? So I think we managed to progress quite quickly on that side. But the interesting thing about the mid-market enterprise side was that it's a brand new business segment and we had no awareness. Um, we had no like awareness within our target accounts so the big challenge has been like where do we start and how do we grow and then what changes like do we make along the way so hopefully we can unpick some of those in this and um, I think we are um, hoping that you guys will ask some questions along the way as well um, so we can always address those too yeah so, yeah let's go so this is the dream team behind what Cognism does um, alongside all of their team as well so I'm going to kick it off um, agenda point one, moving um, from gated to ungated. So how do you make the move? And obviously some of you have done this already because you're fully ungated and others of you um, are a mixture of the both and some completely gated. So I just wanted to talk through like how we approach this at Cognizant and how you could go about looking at it um, at your organization. What the first thing that you want to be doing is making sure that you split your funnel so that you can measure your conversion rates at every stage of the funnel um through gated content so by that mqls sort of the mql hamster wheel type generated demand versus those people who are coming direct to you to request pricing to request a demo um what i would call like direct intent demand so by splitting that funnel you'll understand very clearly the difference in conversion rates so that's like step one 
you don't need to change anything at this point. You just want to be measuring it and looking at it and understanding the implications for budget split um, and the number of MQLs you need or the number of leads you'll need in each of those buckets um, based on those, the conversion difference. And obviously it'll be a stark contrast. You'll see on the direct intent demand, you need way fewer, but they're obviously much harder to get. And then on the gated side, much easier to generate, but you need many, many more of them in order to generate the revenue. And ultimately that's what we all, what we all care about is the revenue. And so once you've done this split, you can then go further. Like our first step was to say, okay, we know we want to move into an ungated model, but we still have a sales team who are relying on leads like MQLs, content leads um, to book meetings, which they get comped on and paid on. So it's not possible for us to just suddenly like switch off the tap. So we would just start siphoning off money from the most ineffective campaigns, the ones that are generating leads at the highest cost per lead. So we can generate like mid-market plus enterprise content leads at a rate of like $10. I think we even got it down to $7, didn't we, Fran, in some kind Yeah, yeah, James did, yeah. Great. Exactly. So when you actually just say, right, well, we're only going to invest in those campaigns where we're generating leads at like under $20, maybe that's your benchmark. It suddenly means that you can generate more for less you put and then you take the money that you've saved on the underperforming campaigns and you can say I'm actually just going to put this money into this demand generation activity where I'm going to be ungating content I'm going to be creating um, paid social campaigns just to drive more demand and you'll be able to start seeing and measuring if you can see a correlated effect an increase in direct demos with that increased spend and we soon saw that, like it didn't take very long, literally a matter of months for us to start seeing the correlation impact. And suddenly we realized that ultimately the revenue bridge that we had to build, we had to like close between what we were generating on the content side, which would ultimately be four or five deals a month versus what we could generate on the direct intent demand side when we put that money into our demand generation campaigns was actually so easy to bridge and it just made complete sense. So we just gradually made the switch. Like we didn't just one day stop all gated campaigns and start all demand generation activities. We literally took it from most successful MQLs campaigns continue to run, take the money, repurpose, see the correlation, and then gradually move the money into the demand generation piece as we saw it working. But I should caveat this by saying, that's what we did on the SMB side of the business. On the mid-market enterprise plus side, we still actually see um, content playing an important role. Um, so what I'm going to do is, first of all, I'm going to bring Liam on to talk about how we actually structured the ungating of all of the content on the SMB side, because it's all very well saying we ungated stuff, but like, how do you do that and how do you do it effectively and how, like, what steps did we take? And then I'll bring Fran on to talk about how we run it differently on the mid-market plus side of the business um, and like why we're actually seeing the content does have a role to play and that's why we actually have a mix of gated and ungated. So yeah, Lim, if you want to talk about structuring how we how we actually ungated things. Yeah, sure. Um, so the, I mean, one thing that like, I think is like important to recognize and I suppose I didn't really until you start doing it. So if you can't just take what your original activity was and just ungate it uh on mass because it doesn't really have it doesn't engage the audience that you need it in the way that you need it to to um like start creating actual demand and and move people into being able to like move like learn about cognizant like in our case learn about cognizant learn about the things that we're talking about and get them into a position where they feel like they want to submit a demo um you need to start looking at like creating and your content in different formats and creating it in different ways to um, to optimize it for the feed. But to figure out which content then you go to ungate and which ones you push forward uh, is a challenge in itself as well. Um, and if you've done, hopefully like even in your gated content, you've done a lot of research into like what your ICP wants to hear about and all of those sorts of things. So if you've done that bit and you've done all that hard work first uh, and you're not just creating ebooks off the bat, then you, you can actually use your findings from lead gen to really um, influence then what you're going to do for your ungated model. Because you're going to have clear, and what we had was clear topics, clear uh, white papers and ebooks and 
gated assets that did and based on webinars as well that just did like so much better than other topics things that like our audience can get enough of um and really liked and um i think as soon as you actually ungate things um it actually you're actually a little and, and you're not trying to get leads it actually liberates you because no longer are you like worried about oh you know whether this piece of content is like close enough to what an sdr is capable of talking about or moving it or close enough in relevance to like your product uh, you're just looking to sort of like engage and delight your audience so we did that we realized that we like in our two segments for example uh uh for sales leaders um who are targeting um that cold calling just went down a storm um across all segments that we uh promote across and i think fran will probably touch on that and like a learning with that one as well um but then like i said you can't just push your cold calling content like out we had like a few really popular ebooks um but if we just ungated those and pushed those out like through paid channels uh on social we would um we would i don't think we'd have the impact that we'd want to uh in feed and start to create enough of a conversation so we had to look at then breaking that out and like creating videos um about some of that content as well to make it more engaging but then what we had was loads of webinars loads of webinars that like with long videos talking about this sort of thing but not actually breaking it out uh, into any snippets and using that because that wasn't you know promoting an ungated video snippet before wasn't in the playbook uh but now we had all this webinar content we could sort of like break up and start pushing out um around that topic again uh then we had all these well-written articles and uh ebooks again that we can now break out into like nice looking um like carousels and things and you know before like we try and use carousels to promote gated um content and it and it wouldn't really work because people are playing with the carousel and not, are not clicking through to download the the lead, like the the content that you want but now we want them to play with the carousel look around comment like and engage on it um to create to begin to create that demand and that sort of like sense of like community around the the top um around the content so once we found some of these topics we knew that was working we started to create content towards them we're like been building out and structuring different campaigns on each of these things um trying to create like a consistent message about what we're we're talking about um so then we yeah we we, we cycled through that so now we're like in like within our sales segment we have like a cold calling campaign and we're like constantly updating it with loads of different content that we're working on in in a ton of different formats um and then we're working for it and then we've maybe we found out like the our icp like talking about cadences as well so we're moving through that and then we've like created some additional messaging about outbound um that we've seen popularity and so we're, we're moving uh and we're creating campaigns around that structuring it with like different ads along the way uh on linkedin we like split these all out just because of how it works you've got video campaigns we've got uh static single image ad campaigns and we've got carousel campaigns and on facebook we group these all together um to allow facebook's algorithm to um do the work um another thing that i think changes about it is on all of the platforms before you're really looking for conversions before and that's what you're optimizing for but now you're going to be we changed it so we're not looking at like that that you know, optimizing for conversion, optimizing for a lead, optimizing for a website view, we're up visit. We're, we're now optimizing entirely for it to be looked at in feed um, for video and carousels particularly. Um, so that means that you switch all of your uh, campaigns up to like be serving maximum impressions because um, you just want eyes on at any moment rather than uh, it being about uh, getting people to, to like complete a certain goal. You just, we just want them to view and consume the content. Um, and then on this as well, we have, that's like talks about all of our top of final content, but uh, you, we also have these, what we would have, we would call our BOFU campaigns, which is like product focused messaging, uh, uh, teaching people a bit more about Cognizant and then also like uh, ungated tours and, and things like this that like give people like a glimpse into what Cognizant is about and they can learn about it. Uh, and these uh, bottom of final ads are served to our entire ICP again. Uh, amongst those I think that's a really important point like we made a mistake when we started this by trying to the classic marketing mistake and say okay we've got top of funnel 
middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. And like we we basically try to put people in stages of the funnel, but that's not how it works. Like the buying cycle is just like doesn't work that way. And so what what we actually found out is you get much more value from giving everything to everyone all the time. So mm-hmm. that's like a really important point. Yeah. And um and like as I said, like we um we split it all out into these funnels. Um and then we realized that you know you can't if we're doing that then they're actually limiting the amount of people who see our bottom of funnel content so we're limiting that of people who actually learn about cognizant uh which isn't we can't can't say that you know just because they viewed an ad that they're now ready to learn about cognizant they we don't know where anyone could be in the buying stage at that point they could have seen something else they could have just seen a competitor's uh ad and now they need to see our, our bottom of funnel content so that's why we did it. And when you actually see it, people I've been asked before, like, oh, then what, how did the results see? Well, actually we see like good engagement and all of these uh, ads, just as much as top of funnel, people are interested, they're liking, they're like commenting on it. You know, um, it's not that there's, you can ever predict at any one stage if someone's ready for that, for that bottom of funnel um, content. Um, I'm going to have to yeah. Move on. Yeah, I'm basically wrapping up. So basically, yeah. we were joking before we came on that we've created a monster in Liam, and he's now. And this happened. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let Fran come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop you there, Liam. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that was super interesting. Um, so I guess um, from a mid-market perspective. Um, it's, it's slightly different. So um, we'd been building, um, we were well known in the SMB space. So the SMB space knew who Cognizant were. We've got like a great client list. So for mid-market, um, and when I started working on that, I was like, oh, okay, so SMB are now moving uh, towards this ungated model. And I was like, do we do that? Do we not? Um, it was difficult because we don't have any awareness in with mid-market enterprise companies. So it's all well and good saying, okay, well, what you need to do is ungate everything and you're gonna get loads of inbounds, but if no one really knows who you are, then inbounds become pretty slow in the first instance, because the thing about this awareness piece is that it's amazing to do it, but it does take a little bit of time to gain that momentum. So you've got to like set your campaigns up and define your audiences and let those run. Um, And time really wasn't on my side in terms of like, how quickly we needed these results. So I had like a hungry sales team who were had no pipeline and they were looking to us to generate leads. So for me, it was it was more like, okay, well, how, you know, my first, and maybe, maybe this was a bit of a mistake, but my first thing was playing it super safe. Um, maybe looking back, I might've taken a few more risks, but I played it really safe and um, ran the lead gen campaigns. <laughs> I ran the ebooks. I did it all. Um, and we got loads of leads through the funnel. And actually, results-wise, it wasn't bad. So um, content, these content leads that we get from ebooks, sort of, um, they're contributing to like 27% of our revenue um, for mid-market plus. However, caveat to that, the lead time is longer. They convert at a much slower rate down the funnel than inbounds do. So I knew like looking at the results that I've got sort of a small percentage coming from content, but then the rest is coming from like paid inbound demo requests and they're converting at a much faster rate and they're much better quality. So naturally I'm going to want more of those, but I still want to keep the leads ticking over to keep sales happy. So it was all like, I don't know, sort of like a fine balance, like of how we were going to make this happen. So um, I'd probably say, or I will say that it was a six, yeah, like a 60-40 split between like lead gen and awareness six months ago, like when I started, I did play it safe. Um, one thing though, like big mistake was um, I went as far as gating like bottom of funnel content. And that is one thing that I would not, I would advise you not to do. Like bottom of funnel is your your advertising your product your service how amazing uh, what amazing results you have your customer case studies your snippets of like your best product releases so it's beyond me actually now why we would gate something like that and ask for you to put your email address in when actually we want everybody to see it so do not gate both your content would be uh, my number one takeaway and biggest regret um and then going yeah and then going forward um 
we have, and as Alice said, I won't go like go on about this too much because we are actually going to show you exactly like how we've done it, how we measure it, how we track it. But I must say now, like six months on, we are slowly moving away, moving, taking that content budget and moving it more towards what we call awareness, which is this demand gen piece, which is which are campaigns that drive inbound demo requests as opposed to these content leads. So um, we're turning the tap off, but just like probably a lot slower than SMB did. And I would say that was purely um, well, two things like one, um, we had to we had no awareness in that particular space and two, like sales still need had to have someone to call like they had no historical pipeline they could rely on um or no like closed lost ops we could go back to um so yeah there are two main reasons really and we're we're making that shift but probably at a much slower rate than smb but um yeah i think it's been a good decision definitely amazing thanks fam cool so now really tactical we're going to talk about how we structure and set up um the paid campaigns so top level so let's talk about linkedin first of all so in our linkedin advertising instance we have got um campaigns under what we call awareness so this is all of our paid activity that we're running which is ungated it's value adding content resources it's a complete mixture of top of funnel, middle of funnel and bottom of funnel. As we touched on earlier, it's everything to everyone in our ICP. And it's all served up to the same audiences. We aren't creating any artificial funnels. Um, the only time that we would actually slightly change up um, the type of content, like we'll narrow down our audience is if we're actually building um, a retargeting campaign and we're experimenting heavily on the different types of retargeting campaigns um, on LinkedIn that you can do. So you can do like video views, you can do, I mean, there's just like a million and one ways to slice it with ICP, et cetera. And we're, we'll go into a little bit more on like, we're gonna share the page sheet, aren't we, Liam? Where we can actually show you some of the ways in which we are um, breaking that up. And I'm sure Liam can touch on it in a bit as well. And then um, we have content topic campaigns. That's what Liam was talking about. So this is in the awareness. So this is still in our awareness section. So how we're splitting up that awareness section is by content topic. So um, we've got that cold calling sales content topic. And on the marketing side, we're talking all about this whole lead generation to demand generation piece. And then we've got our bottom of funnel campaigns. So these are testimonials, case studies, product videos. And then finally, we've just started these. We call them life cycle campaigns. So this is um, us trying to make sure that, you know, our job isn't done if someone just requests a demonstration of our product. Um, there's absolutely no reason and harm for us to sh continue to show up in their feed every day, delivering new value. Um, I think new value is like the key piece there and encouraging them, um, yeah, along their journey. So that was quite, that's quite an interesting one for us. And we're still kind of building out what that looks like. And then secondly, on LinkedIn, we'll have our performance um, what we call performance campaigns running. Now these, how we define the difference between an awareness campaign and performance campaign, awareness would be ungated, there's no direct response. A performance campaign is anything which is trying to deliver a direct response initiative to the campaign. Liam, I was gonna bring you in at this point to talk about some of our most successful um, direct response initiatives that we've got on that performance side, because I think that will be interesting um, to everyone because we've obviously talked about you know, letting people come to you, but there is also a lot of activity and we've actually really tried to double down on this in recent months that you can be doing on the direct response performance side as well, which will help supplement that, that those leads as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've, we've been testing a lot more, I suppose, on, on like LinkedIn and we're trying to, we'll, we'll move on to Facebook about, you know, what sort of like activities we can do there to capture demand. So to go through it a bit, one thing that you, one thing you start doing when you um, ungate everything um, and you're driving people to your website or watch videos, you create a load of different retargeting audiences that you can then use. Um, so that's basically what we wanted to like close in on uh, and to to work on. Um, uh, so we started by like building out different. We've done like the website general retargeting there, and then we're looking at like the different formats that then we could like push people to so we've like, got static whether like we could use a video to promote um and push um people to a demo as well like traditionally people suggest that that won't work um but it, it has done for us here 
um, and then whether you uh, and then also using in mail. Then we were looking at other audiences as well. So we've like p- picked up all of our closed lost ops that we've had and like put that pushed them into an audience and uploaded them into like LinkedIn and then promoted uh, to them to see how well they they're doing. And we run this for about like a a week, week and a half, two weeks, um, and then to see what's working and then double down on the on the tests that do work. Um, so now we just started one on conversational ads as well. But then we're looking at then the spend frequency is really important. So we're talking to LinkedIn and they're like set aim uh, between um, six and 10 is really what we're, we're trying to aim towards. But anything above that and you start to start to lose impact. So then we saw some we had way too high budgets on some retargeting audiences, which are quite small. And then we add in at this point when the team are like looking over these, they add in the changes they want to make for the next sprint and then the actions that they've then taken beforehand um, and adjust like spend and, and uh, in relation to that. Um, so for us, in-mails really works. And something that was always worked well for us is um, free leads. Um, so sometimes there you have everyone who's ready to submit a demo, I find it, and you have people just above who are sort of teetering on the edge. Um, and free leads is our way of, lowering that barrier, giving people a chance to test something out for themselves and to get some free leads and, and try out Cognizant. And I feel like if you can find that that sort of spot um, and that sort of offer, that much, that sort of button funnel offer that's not not quite a demo, then it, it works really well for us in, in like capturing that demand because often, you know, they'll get the free leads, we prove the value in that. And then we move them on through the sales process. Yeah, and the note on that is it was super unscalable for us when we started that. That was like, when we started three years ago um we started this free leads offer and essentially we offer people 25 of their icp contacts and we'll show them the quality of the email and phone data that we can get them on those um 25 contacts and we were like literally having to we because we didn't have resource in other parts of the business like we would get into our own prospector cognizant prospector instance and we would like actually take the list and send those to um those people requesting it and we kept the for that reason we kept the audience super small that we were offering this to and then we just proved out the success of it and so we actually now have a whole ops function who run this for us and um it's like super easy for our sales team to manage but you can start really small don't get bogged down in like the scalability of an offer um i think that's just my biggest advice on that and try and find your lowest friction um your, what it would be for your business like that that kind of low friction ask that's not quite a demo and on the same vein that goes to like us saying we've actually like ungated these tours of our product now because again we, we've got nothing to hide we have we feel like we have a great solution we want to show you so that you want to come in and see how it could apply to your business and how it could actually help you specifically at which point a demo does make sense and I think it's just all about that transparency and once you get past this whole idea of like tricking someone into you know kind of spending time with you or your sales rep um and actually just getting them to a point of really wanting to spend time with your sales rep um <laughs> they're 100 percent convinced of that value like that's a game changer it's a game yeah. changer the, the whole funnel i think that's true like i get so many messages on linkedin like attend a demo and we'll give you like a 50 dollar gift card or something like that and i just i just don't know like, why i would do that do you know like, i just think it's we kind of as you said, like the whole idea of like the demand gen thing. And it's like people are, people will come to us when they are ready to like have that conversation and the intent's there and they think that we can be valuable and help them. So yeah, I'm a big fan of um, showcasing what we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an interesting question here about like sharing the technology and transparency with your competitors. So like, I honestly just think this is like such a classic pushback. And um if they re- if your competitors really want to get a look at your product they 100% will and like there's no way in the world that you'll be able to stop that um like they'll just come in bar an alias they'll get a friend to look they'll get a friend to request a demo they'll do the demo they'll like record it they'll they'll be a million one ways in which they'll be able to do it by actually doing a, like what we do when we do the video tours we show the pieces that we're happy to show um we actually take control of that we're very transparent in it and it's like there is nothing really like there that we're worried about like we're also very confident in our product um and yeah in terms of building something they may well see something but then for them to build that out especially in what we do you know the lag time on that is huge so the competitive advantage is going to be lost as well I think it's just like 
losing like all of these things we've been taught and told and kind of indoctrinated into um in b2b marketing and kind of b2b in general we just trying to like push them aside and mm-hmm. just imagine if you are the solution that's transparent you're the solution that's not hiding behind any form of friction or form and all you're doing is continually day after day adding value to your prospects lives like the experience difference alone is a competitive advantage as well um yeah, yeah. it's just more b2c isn't it which is what we've always i don't know i think i've always been like not afraid to do but like it's just not hasn't isn't like the b2b way like traditionally but i think more and more like we're just moving into this like buying experience that's very like b2c but it is transparent it's honest it's like normal you know (laughs) so for those who are still gating content and there is there is definitely a like good theory behind having partially gated ungated we've talked about how we still do some gated content on the mid market plus i just wanted fran to take the floor and talk about like how we do that in mid market plus and how we're managing to get these like seven dollar cost per leads um because like that does make all the difference ultimately with your budget and the number of uh mqrs you're able to generate so yeah yeah sure um so yeah I, I did um well as Alice just mentioned and I mentioned previously we are gating um some of our content um I guess I made that decision as I said I was playing it a little bit safe um however I did um traditionally it's your ebook right so you've got like a new book with thought leadership hundreds and hundreds of pages so I did kind of get to a point where I was like if we are going to gate stuff um let's try and make it super valuable super actionable or something that like people actually will consume so like every so often like sort of 50 to 100 page ebook like people don't have time to read that um you know it's not exactly um the most exciting thing to like sort of get your hands on and just like ream through like pages and pages um and also like just not making assumptions as well so i guess the easiest way to explain it is to tell you the story of how we approached it so I sat down with the team and said, okay, right, um, let's think we're, we want to market to enterprise companies and um, we want to target like the sales leaders in, in these enterprise companies, what they're going to want. This came from like, this is what we decided. And we decided this, by the way, it was completely our own assumption. What they're going to want is this like really strategic, high level, value driven, uh, blue sky thinking content. And we don't have that right now. So we need to go away and come back with the best bit of thought leadership ever, ever. So we came back with a playbook and it was like, I don't know I forgot how to, I can't remember what it was called, like no stone unturned, like, I don't know, unlock your best sales strategy, something like that. And I put it out there and I was like, this is going to get us loads of leads. We're fine. Honestly, I think it was like 10 days later, we were repping about like $70 cost per lead for like one, yeah, like one download. And I was like, oh dear, this is not good. Um, so then I was, but I was still convinced. I was like, you know, let's think about the strategy. That's what they're going to want. And I think it's, we kind of had to like stop in our tracks and say, well, we we're saying this is what people want, but we haven't asked any customers. We haven't spoken to the AEs who speak to the prospects all the time. We haven't listened to gone calls like we have gone, which is an amazing tool. So we started to do that and we started gathering information and we realized that the pain points that these sales leaders have are very similar to the pain points that sales leaders have in SMB companies in the sense that they have a team, they need them to Um, fill pipeline they still need to get leads they still need to call them they still need to prospect them and we happen to run some great content on cold calling and something that I didn't think would necessarily work um so we put it out there and lo and behold um we're getting $30 cost per lead we're getting $25 cost per lead and it's because the content is relevant but it's actionable so our cold calling content is here's a script that you can use here's an opener that you can use here's some objection handling like flashcards that you can use so immediately it was valuable and it was actionable like versus something that i assumed sales leaders might want like something very strategic like something like i guess like on their level i don't know that's how i was thinking about it and really um they didn't work. And I look back now and it's pretty obvious why. It's it's because everybody wants something of value. You want something tangible. Like when I look at, listen to marketing podcasts and read blogs and look at everyone's amazing posts on LinkedIn, 
I want someone to say, like someone put a, a post on, um, was it DGMG? Like about the size of LinkedIn ads, right? That we saw, it was like, use this square size, not the rectangular size and you'll see a better return. And I was like, okay, we tried it and lo and behold, we did. So there's a tip for you. Um, but we, um, it's just stuff like that that we want to test, we want to put into practice. So um, that's kind of what we did. So we kind of said, all right, if we're going to get content, it has to be valuable and it has to be actionable. So that was one problem solved. Second problem, well, it wasn't a problem, but the second thing we were doing was serving eBooks, which were hundreds of pages long. How can we improve this? So what we started to do um, was think of, we, we started to call them like content upgrades, right? So how can we provide you with a template that you can actually use to like calculate something, to calculate marketing metrics or to a checklist, which you can share with your team or um, like just anything such as that. Or like we can, we can deliver a playbook, but let's put it on an interactive page where you can flick between the sections. There's videos on there, which is more interactive. There's links to podcasts that we think that like are going to be really useful. There's little snippets and, and as we went on, the more value we added, the more actual we became, and the more, I would say, like, interactive we were with the resources, the cost per lead did start to come down because it was, like, people... And I think it's more, like, the way in which we approached it. So it was, like, the ads were, like, you know, 10 tips for this or actual content for that. And that whole sort of repositioning and presenting something that people actually wanted to consume meant that we were just driving more and more leads um and much lower cost um so i just i suppose my advice would be like if you're getting content like think about who you're serving don't make assumptions because i did um and it didn't work out um and it's quite natural to do that but you've got customers speak to customers speak to your customer success team who can introduce you to them listen to calls we do this like weekly now um, speak to your sales team and I think you can deliver something that's a lot more valuable than just like this I don't know big piece of content that no one's going to read basically I think that that's a really good segue into this question which I can see people engaging with like yeah the answer at the top of the show I'm going to go try and answer it better because obviously didn't do a good job to begin with so one of the biggest challenges is that we all believe in demand gen principle, but receive pressure in the short-term results. How would you balance the two? And this was us, like, wasn't it? Like we were all yeah, like, yeah. we are Chris. Yeah. We, we want to do this, but we just like, do not know how we're going to get out of this MQL hamster wheel. It's a real thing. So as like, which I don't think I explained before was, okay, so you're going to, first of all, actually what I did do is I went to my CEO and I said, please can I just have 5k a month and I and you know obviously some for some oh, yeah, reason, this. a lot more money than it is for others but I just want to have 5k a month which is my testing budget like we're going to call it like CMO experiments um and I just I'm going to run it for three months and I'll come back to you and I'll let you know like what the results were um from it and this is I just had a hypothesis I had like what I believed I would be able to achieve from it um and then, yeah, quite a small ask in relation to like what our budgets were. So whatever that is for you, potentially look at doing the same. So then we had, we could continue to run all of our normal activity. So we continue to be gated, we continue to be MQL led, but we had this 5K experimental budget every month where we were able to start testing out like the ungating of some of our most successful content and building out some of these audiences that we've been talking about. Um, and actually we did start to see in correlation with the increased spend on the ungating and these campaigns are running on paid social on the, what I'd call like demand generation campaigns, we saw an uptick in inbounds. And literally it was like that line, that curve followed the spend. Um, and so that was what I, that was all I needed to see at that point. It wasn't like I need to be able to attribute that back to a certain campaign and a specific creative and a specific content type. It was just, I want to see a rough trend, more money in, to content where we're pushing out ungated frictionless to our ICP ends up in more people coming inbound and requesting a demo of Cognizant. And so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was once I'd seen that, I was like, okay, there's something here. So what we were said was, okay, we can optimize. We had a lot of content campaigns running. Some of them were coming at cost, like when you merge the cost per lead, this is why I talk about splitting the funnel, it's super important because a merge cost per lead was like around $30. That was what we targeted as our break-even cost per lead on content. So all great. 
But actually, when we split out all the content campaigns, there were some absolute winners where we could generate cost per leads at like $7. We still had frequency room. And then what we could see was, okay, we could just front load all the money into those, take away some of that budget from the rest that were underperforming in relation to the $7 cost per leads and put that into the demand generation activity. So now we'd upped this 5K spend into, you know, something more, more towards 10K. And again, we saw this jump and the increase. And we were like, okay, there's definitely something here. And at that point, it becomes really easy to put the business case together. And all you need to be able to show in the very, well, for us, what we need to be able to show in the very early days was the correlation. And then with the split funnel, you can see the difference in the conversion rates. And then your CFO, ultimately, or whoever it might be, the CEO, is going to find it very difficult to argue with you giving back more time to your SDR team to, to actually do outbound. Um, and so that's an opportunity cost that you're removing by not having to follow up on content leads. At the same time, you bringing in higher quality leads into the business that are converting at a higher rate and being able to bridge that those few deals that you were ultimately getting from the content piece anyway with the inbound success that you generated. So that's kind of, that's the explanation. Have I missed anything there, guys? No, like I don't think so. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I suppose only for us, like for mid-market, I suppose it's like the point to hammer home is the reason it's a well, mid-market enterprise is the deal cycle's longer. So it's dependent on your deal cycle, like how long, like how quickly, I guess, like you can see the impact. Um, so I think taking it gradually is like you don't just have to as you said earlier like you don't just have to turn the tap off it's like taking it step by step is absolutely fine and as you said as, as long as you can see that correlation then I think eventually you will make that like I'm confident that we will make that full shift into another thing I was going to say is it doesn't all have to be paid so yeah. actually what you can do is you can actually just say I'm going to invest in organic and like it's time investment in this mm -hmm. way like what we're doing today um the fact like all the LinkedIn posting you could create a really great and the content you're actually just creating you could create an amazing organic plan that actually requires no paid activity the paid activity is super helpful from a distribution perspective ultimately because it gets eyeballs on and it helps you build out a retargeting audience so there is huge value in it but if you don't have loads of budget for that just focus on like the organic side um that's yeah. in your control and you can invest in it um so i would that would be another way of looking at it as well okay so I'm really conscious of time. And I think people want to know how to measure this because ultimately, if you're going to be able to sell this to um, your stakeholders in the business, then you need to be able to measure it. And we've made progress on it since that just broad correlation um, stage. So I'm going to let Liam. <laughs> it starts, I want to say that you just want to start off by measuring the, the basics. And this is, I suppose, just going on what um, Alice uh, was saying, how if you, you've got like, you're looking at your first month when you implement it like a DG strategy and then looking at your second month uh, afterwards and then third and trying to see that based on and what we were looking at there is like based on for the first few months that we were doing this like budget hasn't changed but if budget hasn't changed am I still seeing an uptick in inbound leads and then how much and also what your demand generation strategy should be doing is helping those convert further down the funnel as well as people have more access, access to your content on mass to consume whenever they want so then you should start to see as well that not only do your leads increase but you're having a better more meeting booked more meetings attended more squares and deals so that's the first bit to and we just break it down like this for ourselves it's like a square for us is like an opportunity at 25 um, we said these like, obviously these aren't real numbers guys by the way yeah yeah sorry yeah i said they were getting not real numbers uh but you can pretend they are if you want then it's the same in like splitting the funnel out so um you want to we call it inbound paid content um so the inbound um is like an organic inbound uh attributed so comes in straight into direct demo paid a direct demo from a paid source and then content is what we're really calling out like lead gen um the thing that you need to show is because one pushback that you'll get is that you know, oh, look, so we closed maybe three deals from content last month. How are you going to make up? You need, you know, now you need to make up with this with inbounds and more. So you break that out still over your months because you're still going to have content needs 
dripping through as you like move over, but you want to be showing that you're having a marked increase in inbound closed ones. So you're actively making up for those, those content closed ones. And you actually make ground on this pretty quickly because of inbound and paid demo requests have much higher conversion rates through the funnel than uh, those content leads do. They're much more likely to close. So for like every one of those, you're obviously going to get uh, one more lead, one like inbound lead, you're obviously much more likely to get a close one. So it's important to keep breaking that out to see that you're making that movement. In our slick funnel, it's like we need 20 inbounds for, so it was like 20 leads for one deal, something like this, and then 200 mm-hmm. content leads for one deal. So it's like, that's the mm-hmm. difference you're looking at. Yeah, so, um, and that's what you want to keep monitoring. And eventually you'll get to the point that, you know, content will be sort of nil and that you would have made up it all in inbounds. And then we're just looking at the inbound uh, velocity that like you have to look at paid as well. So assuming your some of your paid activity is direct demo on your brand name as well, like on like Google ads, if you're, you'll be bidding on your brand name and stuff like a lot of people are then search Googling your brand name are going to be massively in your part of your demand generation wheel. So that's what we started looking at is just that velocity coming in and tracking that over time. So actually we made slowly starting to make that switch and then trying to see how we get increasing it and, and keeping it and moving it upwards. Um, and also increasing that inbound uh, number, particularly over the paid number, even we want to etch that organic one up as much as possible. Um, uh, and like, the, and eventually we'll get to a point that we're obviously capturing as much of the relevant demand um, from paid channels as we can, but the sky's the limit really on the the uh, d- demand gen side and actually getting people into coming organic. Um, and then the other thing that you want to be looking at is your sales cycle. Uh, like I said before, like now that your content is open to everyone and you're not just looking for new prospects to download your content and you're happy for your customers uh like for, for all like opportunities and everyone to be like consuming all the content you've got you should start to see that your sales cycle starts to increase as well um decrease decrease sorry guys i realized that wrong way around decrease as well and it should start to move quicker um so you want to track this uh month on month as well to see what effects you can have on it and we start to build out specific campaigns to opportunities only like pushing content that uh that they'll want and the stuff to help move them through that pipeline as well to make that sales cycle uh, speed up as well. And then when it comes to, so that's like sort of your top line, that's like your core fundamentals, right? And you can see all this from influence. Might need a whole session just on the slide. This is a nice one, isn't it? <laughs> but then there's also measuring uh, your ads. So normally when you're measuring your ads, it's like uh, when you're on a lead journey, it's quite easy to just, seeing how many it's cost per lead um number of leads um it's a nice metric to follow i think that's why everyone got hooked on it um whereas now we're gonna you go back and you actually look at what people would have once called vanity metrics are actually really important metrics because they they show how well your content is resonating with your um with your icp um so we like break down we look at the videos we look at the video views cost per view who's viewed 75% 75% of the video, whose views 100% of the video. Um, the whole idea of like short videos are best, uh, like it's not true. If, if it's a good video, it doesn't matter what length it is, people will watch the whole thing. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. We just, we put loads of videos up. Um, we don't look at view at all. Um, and then when it comes to your static and carousels, we're looking at like engagement rate, um, which is like looking at how many people have liked it, liked it um, or reacted to it commented on it um clicked or done anything with it um and we're trying to see like the ones obviously there that are the highest and then when you get through to the landing page or if they're coming through to the landing page then we're looking at like bounce rate time on page uh where they go afterwards um we're starting to put in what would be like the last referral link before they submit a demo as well so we can see what that last action they took on the website was before they submitted that demo as well and this all starts to build a picture of what content people are engaging with before they come to you and uh, and therefore where you want to put your money and where you want to put your time and, and resources like, oh, this content's going really well. This is what people are interested in. This is what 
introduces people to Cognizant, this is what they get to, uh, get, gets them to know about us. Having said that, frequency counts across all of these things as well. Uh, I know I mentioned it before, but um, it's important on your awareness ads as well. And then the where did you find us um, for that field that we put on our thank you page and um, in which we just ask people where they found us and it's an open text box for them to write wherever they like first heard about us or um, know about us from. Um, and we collect this as like a, what we call it human attribution, like no attribution from any sort of a bit. It, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just them. And we bucket it. So you, you have to do a bit of work. So you take them out and you bucket them um, into like things that matter to you. I think it's important not to limit people with a pick list though, um, because you can get some really specific uh, results from people just telling you, um, well, you know, could people mention like, uh, you know the podcast name episode the podcast Liam was uh, starring in yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> one of your episodes and then you know and then I take that and uh ask for more money uh, <laughs> uh so but so we've broken this down out into pie chart here and this is what ours is looking like at the moment um so social media channels is like um, the mass part of it but that's where we put most of our money so that's great to see but word of mouth it's massive which is amazing uh and that also means that we're stirring up conversation in whichever way happens and then organic search still showing its importance and then we've got paid ads partners and then other just for this circumstance but you could when you're looking at your own data you can really break it down um, and it can really help you alongside your normal tracking attribution with utms and um and campaign responses um to decide where your budget goes the two ways are utm links and then um we use campaigns in salesforce and the campaign responses is how we can then track attribution and we have a last touch um attribution model across the whole business um so that that's kind of we i mean we could deep dive a lot of that Mm -hmm. probably another time um amazing so that is on the time and that's our first episode um of demandism Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully it was helpful. We're learning as we go. We want to make sure this is useful for you guys. Um, so yeah, please just feedback. Let us know what you want to see more of, less of. Um, and we'll make sure the next one is not too not too long in the future. And um, yeah, we'll try and deep dive some more topics. So probably probably try and get a poll going on that or something um, on our LinkedIn channels to keep an eye out. And probably Liam and Fran and I will share personally as well. So follow us on LinkedIn. But thank you for joining us. And and yeah, look forward to seeing you guys again. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, Cheers.